yesterday we, we, we talked about three, just kind of three initial ways to get unstuck. And uh, this morning, uh, this morning we're going to, um, I'm going to hopefully, and the Holy Spirit is going to touch some parts of your, of your soul and of your story that, that I think um, is going to allow um, some of those things we talked about last night to really take place. Because I know, I was talking to a few people last night and even this morning, and, you know, the, the thing is, well, Carlos, like, I get it. Like, I, I am looking to Jesus. I am fixing my eyes on Jesus. Now, now, the standing still piece, I think, was the piece that most people in here are like, oh, that's the one for me last night. But, but I'm, I'm not seeming to get that breakthrough. Like, I'm not seeming to get to the space where I can truly get unstuck. Like, I'm going to try to apply those principles, but I just don't know if I can do that. And, and the reason why you're feeling that is because you're right. You can't take three points from a message last night um, and, and just hope that by applying these principles, you can get breakthrough. Because the truth of it is principles will not give you breakthrough. Podcasts and sermons will not give you breakthrough. The, the only thing that will give you freedom is Holy Spirit. It, th- that's it. The, the, you, you can't life hack your way to freedom. You can't life hack your way to getting unstuck. And every single man in here has a way that they can get unstuck this morning. And I'm praying this morning that, that we can get to that space. Sorry, I'm a little stuffy this morning, but where's John who was leading worship early? John Riley, there you are. At the end of my message, could you come back up when I, when I call you up and could we sing that song, What a Beautiful Name, again? Oh, it was like greatest hits of worship songs this morning. I mean, that was... I was amazing. He just kept going from one to the other, and I was like, oh, my gosh. It was awesome. Um, you know, some of us come in here in a, in a really good season of life. Things are, things are good. Some of us come in here, and, and things aren't so great. 2019, you were hoping, and we're, we're already 27 days or so into 2019, and it's like, man, this was supposed to be the year. What's happened? But I, I think a lot of times we forget to recognize the seasons of blessing that God has in our lives. For, for those of us who are, who are sitting in seasons where things are great, and I'll be honest with you, 2019 has not been an amazing year for me so far. 2019 has been filled with, with, with a lot of warfare in my life. It's been filled with things that I didn't want to have to deal with. I thought I was done with that in 2018. I thought when the calendar page turned, it was just going to be brand new. And, and the truth of it is that the enemy doesn't pay attention to our calendars. He, he doesn't pay attention to, oh, okay, they made, they, they prayed at midnight on New Year's Eve, and now everything, I'm just going to leave them alone. That's, that's just not what happens. But, but, but some of us are. Some of you guys are in a good season of life, and, and I want to share just for a few minutes a story about when I was in an incredible season of life. Because when, when God starts anointing and blessing the moments in your life, it's okay to bask in them. It's okay to lean back and say, God, you're good. It, it, it's what we need to do. And, and I actually have, like, video evidence of how good my life was. You see, in 2011, everything was going so good in my life. I had just come out with my, my first record um, with Integrity Music. I was touring with Hillsong United. I was, I was playing in front of thousands of people every single night. It was, like, one of the most blessed seasons of my life. And not only my professional life was a blessing, but like even my life at home, things were so, so good. Everything I touched, every single thing I touched turned to gold. I'm serious. Even like when I screwed up, I would touch it and my screw ups would somehow turn to gold. Like everything. And I, again, I have video evidence of, of a screw up turning into gold. My, 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 my kids and myself and my wife we were driving in the car. We were living in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. And we were driving to a Braves game. And on the way to the Braves game, that Beyonce song, All the Single Ladies, came on. You guys know that song? Don't act like you don't know that song. <laughs> all the single ladies. Oh, that, that one. And so it came on, and I thought, oh, it's kind of cute. So I, my kids were in the back seat of the car singing the, the Beyonce song, All the Single Ladies. So I pulled my phone out to start recording them singing All the Single Ladies because I wanted to send it to my mom. It was really cute. Well, about halfway through the song, I decided to tell my then two-year-old son, that he is, in fact, not a single lady. Let me show you the devastation that incurred inside of his heart and what happened when I decided to upload this video to this little-known website called YouTube. 
Watch how a mistake turned into a blessing. Watch this. The Whitaker family of Atlanta was in the car just singing along to Beyonce's hit song, Single Ladies. And then the family fun took an unexpected turn. You're not a single lady, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're a single lady. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Look, buddy, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. You can do it. Buddy, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, buddy. You're a single lady, okay? Okay? Here we go. If you like it, ain't you better? I'm a horrible father, he said. All right, no. the video we can cut the video there. So, I woke up the next morning after uploading this to YouTube. <laughs> How many have ever made your kids cry accidentally? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I woke up the next morning. I, I, I thought, oh, it's kind of funny, so I put, uploaded it to YouTube. 7.4 million people overnight has seen this video. And I wake up to my phone blowing up all these producers from all these talk shows. Good Morning America, The Today Show, Fox and Friends. They're all calling to speak to the horrible father that made his son cry. Now, the reason why I tell you this turned into a blessing is a one week after this video went viral, my very first record came out. So it was a very mediocre worship record. Actually, it was probably like a C minus. It wasn't very good. I don't have a great voice. But because this video went viral, it shot to number one. <laughs> it was number one. Every, everyone was buying like the mediocre worship guy's record because they thought his son was cute. And friends, not only did that blessing continue to ensue, but even eight months later, eight months after this video went viral, normally those things go up and then back down. I got a phone call from an organization called the People's Choice Awards, and they told me that we, my family was nominated for the People's Choice Award for Viral Video of the Year. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, the people have spoken. You're nominated. And now we were up against, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but do you remember in 2011 that video that went viral with the rainbow guy, the double rainbow across the sky? And we were up against him. And so I thought, oh, there's no way. There's no way. Well, sure enough, we got flown to L.A., walked down a red carpet next to other celebrities, and, 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 and sat in the People's Choice Award. And then at 7.32 p.m., Queen Latifah herself on national television, announces to the world that the Whitaker family won the People's Choice Award. for I won an award. <laughs> I won a trophy, a crystal trophy for making my son cry. That, on national television, that is how blessed I was. When I tell you I could do no wrong, I could do no wrong. Everything was working. Everything was working. And, and in these seasons of abundance, in these seasons of blessing, it's okay to bask in God's goodness. It is okay. But let me give you a warning. The warning is quite simple. You must never take credit for the blessings in your life. You, you, you must never take credit because the, the truth is, Scripture does not say, it doesn't, that every good and perfect gift comes from your hustle. That's not what it says. It's not. And I feel like men in this room, we sometimes want to translate that scripture into saying, every good and perfect gift comes from my hard work. That's not what it says. It says every good, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every single one. So, here's the danger. When we start believing that we're the ones responsible for the blessings in our life, there's a line in the sand, and it's uh, you're standing in light. But darkness is just right there. And the second we start believing our own hype, and the second we start believing that we're the ones that have got ourselves unstuck, we're the ones that have pulled this off. 
we look over in the darkness and go, well, I mean, I'm in light, but I, that looks really appetizing. Darkness does. To be honest with you, sin, it looks really appealing. And so what we end up doing is just taking our toe and just tapping into sin for just a second. And so I began to do this. A few months after we won this award, I looked over at darkness and the sin, and I was like, man, that looks really good. So I dabbed my toe in it for just a minute and then stepped back out, and I was like, hey, look, nothing happened. Everything's fine. That's amazing. And that was actually a lot of fun. I wonder if I stepped over for just like five minutes completely, and then I stepped back over here, and I was like, look, nobody found out. My family's still fine. Everything's okay. And then a couple days later, I step over for a few hours. And then back over here. And friends, the next thing I knew, I was dancing between light and dark. And we convince ourselves that when we're dancing between light and dark, that nothing is being affected in our lives. But your soul is slowly corroding. And then what happens is we begin to convince ourselves that we can keep this dance up. That we can keep dancing between light and dark. And let me tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because what's going to happen is one day you're not going to find yourself dancing anymore. One day, you're going to find yourself drowning in the dark. And that's what happened to me. Not but a few months after this video went viral. I'll never forget I was in the back of our condo in Nashville, Tennessee, with my kids, and they were just that age. And, And my wife was cooking dinner in the front, and it smelled amazing. It was a small condo. I mean, no, no bigger than half of this room. And I remember going up to the front to ask my wife what was for dinner. And the, the, the stove was on and the pot and the water was boiling. And, but she wasn't up there. And there was nowhere else to go. Like, I, I walked from the bedroom to the front. I passed all the rooms. She wasn't there. And I was like, hey, babe. And immediately my heart started to pound a little bit. Because you know when you're in darkness, and maybe that there's going to be some light shed on that. And I just felt it. And so I begin to panic. Hey, Heather, 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 where are you? And I sprinted to the living room. And I saw that my laptop was gone. Then I sprinted out to the driveway. And I saw that the van was gone. And in one second, I went from dancing to drowning. I sprinted back to my bedroom, and I grabbed those three beautiful kids, and I sat them on the bed. And I just started to apologize. I said, Daddy's done something really, really bad. And I'm so sorry, and I don't know what's about to happen. But I need to tell you that it's going to be okay, and I'm so sorry. And my kids, they were terrified. They'd never seen me cry like this. I was, I was a mess, and I knew. And about two minutes into my speech and trying to calm them down, and there was a knock on the front door. And it was my best friend, Blake, and his wife, Allie. And he stood there with a pitied look in his eyes, and he said, it's over. Your secret's out. Heather knows everything. She wants the kids, and she wants you out. And so began the darkest season of my life. That beautiful family that you saw, because I thought I could dance between light and dark, I lost him. And I moved out, and I moved in with my friend Blake. And I remember begging my wife, please forgive me. She was done. She, she'd forgiven me too many times in our marriage. And this time was the last straw. And a few weeks later, divorce papers filed. Marriage is over. I'm as low as I've ever been. I was begging her. She didn't want anything to do with it. And, and the, the thing is, and you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're finally drowning in darkness, it's not, like, it's not like you're this evil person. It's not like I was this evil person that wanted to do this to my family. There was no desire in my heart. I'm still made in the image of God. It's, it's not like I wanted to do this. And so I began to get so angry at God because the truth is, I tried to stop sinning. I did. I tried to roll up my sleeves and stop sinning. But the truth is, we are not strong enough. 
we're not strong enough to stop sinning. You're not strong enough. If you're trying to roll up your sleeves to get unstuck in the sin that you're in, clue phone, it's not going to work. You'll find yourself exactly where I found myself. And where else I found myself was angry. Not just at myself, but at God. Because in the midst of my dancing between light and dark, I was begging God, God, I know this isn't right. Please help me stop. Please help me stop. Finally, four months later, four months after this trauma, living with Blake and his family, my ministry is over, lost all my jobs. I'm applying at car dealerships in Nashville, and I'm shaking my fist at God. Why did you let this happen to me? Why did you let this happen to me? I didn't want to lose my family. I'm so mad. And I'll never forget that moment. I literally, I literally was shaking my fist when I, my phone went bzz, bzz, and There was a buzz on my phone. And it was my friend Mike. And he just said, the Lord told me to send you the scripture. So he sent me a scripture. Friends, this was the first semblance of hope I got. 1 Peter 5.10. Scripture says this. Now the God of all grace. Watch this. Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. Watch these promises. Will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. For absolutely incredible promises in the midst of a few words. Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Now, if there was a period after support you and it was over, that would be the greatest scripture in the Bible. But unfortunately, it's not. Because it goes on. And it says, after you have what? Suffered. After you have suffered. So there is a promise to be personally restored, established, strengthened, and supported. But there's also a promise that we're going to suffer. Christianity is not vacation. If you're looking for vacation, this isn't it. Like I said last night, we are living in warfare. But also, there's not a period after suffered. It goes on. It says suffered what? A little. Now, I know some of you in here. Don't feel like your suffering's been a little. And when I was four months in living with my best friend Blake and his family, my suffering did not feel like a little. It was everything. It was, it was my entire existence was suffering. But God's promise said a little. And so I trusted that. I said, okay, God, if you've promised to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support me, then with every fabric of my ethos, I'm going to step into that truth. And so I did. And in that moment, I stopped trying to get and fix my family. And instead, I just fixed my eyes on Jesus. And if you've been trying to fix the stuck issue in your life, if you've been trying to fix the sin issue in your life, that's not how we do it. We don't fix the sin issue. We fix our eyes. And as that began to happen, I began to shift. Now, here's the thing about the scripture. The promise wasn't to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support my marriage. The promise wasn't to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support whatever issue it is. It's to personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support your soul, who you are. And I promise you, that is so much greater than anything you can try to fix in the natural. What God wants to fix and correct is our entire being, our entire soul, who God has created you to be. That's the promise of restoration. Once he restores that, all the other things in your life begin to come into order. And so as I started in this new season of God fixing my soul, my marriage was still broken. But guess what? Even in a broken marriage, with, with my marriage that I had lost, I started to rise again. And I started to stand again. Because the Lord has promised that he's not going to keep you down when you fall and he will resurrect you, just like Scripture says. 
And I started to feel this resurrection power in my life. And things that begin to shift, things begin to change. My friends begin to tell me, Carlos, something's new in you. Something's shifting in you. And inevitably, four months after this moment, after I've lost my marriage, I'll never forget, my phone buzzed again in that same bedroom. Eight months now living with Blake and his family. Bzz, bzz. I picked up my phone. And it was Heather. It's my wife. And it just said, coffee? Question mark. And I said, yes, exclamation point. <laughs> and I'll never forget walking into that Starbucks. I hadn't seen her in so long. And she looked at me and she said, is what I'm hearing true? Is what I'm hearing about you true? And I, I didn't want to tell her yes or no because I knew that she didn't believe a fabric of word that came out of my mouth. But I did say, you can watch me. And so she did. She began to watch me from a distance. And the distance grew smaller. And the distance grew smaller. And four months after that coffee meeting, the God of all grace, who called me to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, personally restored established, strengthened, and supported my marriage. And that wife that I lost is waiting for me in Nashville, Tennessee right now. <laughs> Friends, God will bring beauty from ashes. He will bring beauty from ashes. I promise you, whatever you're at right now, he will bring much greater things than you ever anticipated. The marriage I have now, and we, we had a whole new ceremony because I, I'm, I'm a new man. That the old guy had died, and I was new. And, and, and here's the deal. That, that was just the beginning of the story. Because things got better. I was going to therapy every, every day. I mean, for, for a while, it was, it was five days a week. And then it, it was once a week. Then it was every other week. And so as my marriage got restored and things were better in my life, it was incredible. I'm, I, I, would, I would go to my therapist, and his name's Al, and just imagine the one guy you know named Al, and that's what he looked like, Okay. So that was my therapist, Al, and, and Al is, you know, I, I'm seeing him. It's, it's like three years now after our marriage has gotten back together, and I'm, I remember going to Al. I was going to him like once a month at this point, and I was like, Al, like, when can I stop coming to you, bro? Like, things are good. Things are good. Like, I've been paying you every month now. Like, can we slow the roll a little bit? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm healed. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're almost, you're almost there. You're almost there. I was like, okay, well, can you tell me what I need to do to stop seeing you? He goes, you need to fix one thing. I said, what is that? This is what my Christian therapist Al told me. He said, you need to figure out why you keep rubbing crap on your blessings. That's what he said. I was like, excuse me? You can't say that to me. You can't say crap. You're my Christian therapist. But what do you mean I rub crap on my blessings? And actually, he didn't say crap. That was like the edited version. He said, take a look at your life. Take a look. You just need to be careful because just because you're okay right now, I mean, you've worked hard to get to dig your way out. But I'm telling you, if you don't figure out why you're rubbing crap on your blessings, this is going to happen again. If you don't figure out why, every single time you look at the timeline of your life, God's given you a blessing, you find a way to screw it up. Because you don't believe you are worthy of God's blessings. Scared me to death, and I, I, I left, and immediately I called my dad, and my, my father, saint of a man, and he's so wise, and I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I've got a problem. He said, tell me, Carlitos, what is your problem? I said, Al just told me that I rub crap on my blessings. He goes, oh, Carlitos, I know why you rub crap on your blessings. <laughs> now, before I tell you why my dad told me why I rub crap on my blessings, you need to know about my dad and why I called him. He's, he's, he's the wisest man I know. My father, first-generation immigrant from Colón, Panama, to the United States of America, he immigrated here in 1963 with $20 and a shoeshine kit. My grandparents sent him as a black Panamanian 
to America with $20 cash in a shoeshine kit, and they said, you got it. <laughs> he landed at LAX. He shined shoes for two years. Saved enough money for one semester at LA Community College. Made straight A's that one semester at LA Community College. Got a scholarship to the next semester at LA Community College. Got straight A's that semester, got a scholarship to the next. Went two years there, got a scholarship to UCLA. My, my father is now Dr. Fermin Agustin Whitaker. Because in this country, yeah, you can give him a round of applause. And this is why this is the greatest country in the world, right? Like, because we, we that, that American dream, he pulled it off. And so I, I need you to know that. So when I called him, this is who, the man I'm talking to. He loves the Lord with every fabric in his being. And I also have a picture of my dad, just so you can kind of get, get a semblance of it. I mean, look at him in his timeshare in Hawaii, just going like, <laughs> look at my best life now. And I know half of you guys are thinking, I've seen that man somewhere before. And you're right, you actually have, yeah, this is actually also a picture of my dad. But if we put that next picture of my dad's actually, they <laughs> how amazing! I'll never forget the first time I saw that emoji on my phone, I was like, Daddy! <laughs> I send him, <laughs> I send him that emoji every day. I don't even say I love you anymore, I just go, boop! And I send it to his phone. He's like, it's not funny. <laughs> All right, we can take that picture down now. That was just a joke because we've been talking really heavy, and I needed to lighten the mood for a second. So I said, Dad, um, tell me. You say you know? He said, I know why you don't crap on your blessings. Let me tell you a story. And I was like, Dad, oh, man, I don't have time for a story. Like, you got to know my dad. He, he's got stories for everything. He's like, no, Carlitos, you must listen. Let me tell you a story. When I was 18 years old in Panama, preaching my very first revival, I gave the invitation at Bethany Baptist Church. And nobody got up to come except Jesus. But one woman in the back of the church, Ms. Ramirez, she was very old. She stood up and she slowly made her way to the front. And I was thinking, why is she coming to the front? She loves the Lord. She comes to me and she says, Fermin. Can you please pray for me? And I said, my dad said, yeah, I'll pray for you. And she said, can you pray that the Lord Jesus would clean the cobwebs from my life? And my dad said, oh, it's very poetic. So I'll, I, he prayed that. Lord, clean the cobwebs from Mr. Ramirez's life. He said, Carlitos, night number two of the revival. Ms. Ramirez during the invitation, she slowly makes her way to the front again. And I'm thinking she's going to tell me he did it. He cleaned the cobwebs. But Carlitos, she comes again with tears streaming down her face and said, can you pray again that the Lord would clean the cobwebs from my life? My dad said, oh, okay, I'll pray again. He said, she said, but can you pray harder? He's like, so he prayed with a little bit more oomph. Lord, clean the cobwebs from Mr. Amidas' life. Ha! Gave a little extra spice at the end. He said, Carlitos, night numero tres. Mr. Amidas comes to the front again. And she looks at me with tears in her eyes again and says, please, please, one more time. Can you pray that Jesus would clean the cobwebs from my life? And my dad said, he looked her square in the eyes and he said, no. We've been praying the wrong prayer. Tonight we do not pray. He cleans the cobwebs. Tonight we pray he kills the spider. Friends, whoever wooed is exactly what I did in my minivan. Woo! He didn't have to say another word. I knew why he told me that story. He said, Carlitos, I've watched you your entire life clean the cobwebs of sin. You can no longer clean the cobwebs. You can no longer keep going to your therapist, Al, and clean the cobwebs. You must find the root and kill the spider. Friends, that conversation changed everything. It changed everything in my life. And so I did. I was able in that moment to go, wow, I've been, I've been looking at the cobwebs, not the spider. And so I did. It, it was a beautiful thing. I, I, I finally I identified my spider. I located my spider. I cornered my spider. And then I drove a dagger through the heart of that spider. And I killed the spider in the name of Jesus. But it wasn't easy. It took work. And it was only through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ I was able to do that. And so now I, I travel the country teaching people. I actually wrote a book called Kill the Spider based 
on what my dad has said. And when I'm done with this talk, I'll be back there signing my book because I honestly believe that this is a chance for freedom like you guys have never experienced. And what I want to do for just a few minutes is help you guys identify these spiders in our lives. Because the truth is, is, is finding the cobwebs and cleaning the cobwebs, that's easy. But spiders are a lot more difficult. So let, let's do a little definition time. A spider, what's a spider? The way I define a spider in my book is this. Okay, it's, it's very important. A spider is an agreement you have made with a lie. Let me say that again. Every man in here has this. A spider is an agreement you've made with a lie. This is not what evangelical America wants you to go looking after. It's, it's not on purpose, but accidentally, n- normally the church just deals with cobwebs. But the spider is what we have to get to. See, behind all of our bad behaviors and sin issue is this, an agreement we've made with a lie. And we all have these lies in our life. We've got to find that and break that. When you break and kill that, you're free. But what do we do? Instead, we deal with cobwebs. And if a spider's an agreement you've made with a lie, let's define a cobweb. A cobweb is this. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. A cobweb is a medicating behavior, a medicator or behavior that brings false comfort to the lie. This is where we spend all of our time. This is where we spend all of our time. If you walk down the self-help aisle at Barnes & Nobles, it's the cobweb aisle. Five steps to a better marriage. Four steps to financial freedom. Seven steps to stop looking at pornography. Eight steps to help with your addictions. Those are just cobwebs. You see, cobwebs are, are, are where all of us sit. And this was my problem. I was spending all my time trying to clean the cobwebs instead of getting to the root. So what are, what are some common cobwebs? Well, I named some already. G- give me a cobweb now that you understand a cobweb is a medicator or behavior. What's a cobweb? Pornography. Alcohol. Drugs. Facebook, social media. Boom, let's just stop here because you've named them all, right? Pornography. Here's the deal. If pornography is your problem as a man and you think that putting a pornography blocker on your phone is going to solve your pornography problem, that's where the devil wants you to live because that's a lie. It's a lie that just giving your password to your spouse is going to free you from porn. You see, Porn is not the spider. Let me say this again. Porn isn't the spider. If you're staring porn at the face, you're looking at the cobweb. You have to find the lie you believe that is allowing you to believe that the, the, the porn is going to give you some sense of freedom. You see, the lie, I don't, everyone's lie for porn is going to be different. Some people, for my lie for porn artificial intimacy, even stepping outside the bounds of marriage, it's all, it's all the same cobweb. My lie was that I will never find true intimacy the way Jesus has planned true intimacy with my spouse. See, that's the lie that I believed. That's the lie that I, so since I believe this lie that, you know, it's, sex is just never going to be as good as, it's, as I want it to be, we will sprint toward pornography to medicate. Now, some people have different lies that are attached to pornography. Your lie is going to be different. Everyone's lie is going to be different. The cobwebs may look the same. The lies are different. You have to get to the lie. Social media. Social media. Now, honestly, not to be sexist, but I, I have found as I speak across the country, this, this is something that females tend to struggle with. At the beginning, I thought this a lot more than men. But the more I've taught on it, the more I realize, no. You, you guys know what FOMO is? FOMO is fear of missing out. And that's what has happened with social media. We start seeing, well, I wonder, why didn't I get invited on that fishing trip? How, how, how could, wait, they're having dinner with who? And next thing you know, we develop these lies inside of our hearts with social media. So what do we do? Social media, we start presenting our highlight reels. And everyone's presenting their highlight reels. And you are basing your behind the scenes You're comparing your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. And then lies begin to form. 
And we start thinking, well, oh, man, if I put up this selfie of myself, I mean, I look pretty good today. Maybe, maybe, maybe that, 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 that lady who I'm working with will double tap it and like it. Maybe she'll leave a comment saying how nice my shirt looks. And then things start to go. Addictions, alcohol. If you think that putting a padlock on the liquor cabinet or throwing the alcohol away is going to solve and kill the spider, it's just cleaning the cobwebs. You, you guys get it now, right? You understand. How about some of you guys that don't deal with some of these ugly cobwebs? I'm going to touch everybody in here. How about you hard-working men? Things are so clean in your life. And you're working hard to get that nameplate in that corner office because somehow that has become your cobweb. And your family, you're ignoring them and they're becoming less and less because you're working and striving so hard to get a nameplate because you believe the lie that your identity is based and your worth is based on some sort of title that you can achieve. It's just the, it's the same. It's just a different version. And that is going to keep you just as far away from Jesus as addictive behaviors. My, my wife, she lets me share this. Um, she's an incredible, she, she, she's literally a saint. She's a saint of a woman. So, like, when I wrote my book, Kill the Spider, I was like, well, you don't need this book. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I, let, let me tell you. Here's my cobweb and my spider. She throws these incredible parties at our house. Like, she, she went to culinary school. Like, our, our home looks like Pinterest has vomited all over it. It's the most beautiful thing <laughs> you've ever seen. It's amazing. And, and, and she throws these amazing parties. People come to our house every other day. And she told me one day, she said, my cobwebs are these parties that I throw. It's like, really? Yeah, remember, a cobweb is a medicator or behavior that brings false comfort to a lie. I said, well, how, that's a good thing. She's like, yeah. They can start off good, but they can turn to cobwebs because she believes that if she doesn't throw any parties, nobody will show up to be loved. She got to the root that her lie, her spider, from her cobweb was this. I must do to be loved. Boom. And do you see how cobwebs can be pretty, too? So, yes, every man in here has cobwebs. But every man in here, honestly, we have multiple spiders. And the way that we get to them is really simple. If you don't know what your cobweb is, okay, if you're like, I don't know, Carlos, what my medicating behavior is, just ask your family, okay? <laughs> They'll tell you. Okay, we all have them. For some of you guys, it may be golf. It may be fishing. I mean, it, it, there is a medicating behavior that you've taken too far. So it's easy. The way you find your cobweb out, ask your family. The way you find your spider out, you can't ask your family. You have to ask Holy Spirit. You have to ask God himself. And he, he, here's the beautiful thing. For some of you guys that are like, ah, here's another guy saying that I'm going to hear from Holy Spirit. I've never heard it from him before in my life. You're wrong. Remember yesterday I was talking about the volume of life being so loud, lower the volume of God, or volume of life, volume of God goes up. We ask God. So let, let, let's, let's step into how we find these spiders. Step one, we hear from God when we pay attention. Say pay attention. We have to pay attention. I believe that um, God is speaking all the time. And for, for too long in my conservative evangelical space, there wasn't room for Holy Spirit in my life. Like it was, it was go to church, read my Bible, get a lot of knowledge, follow, follow these rules, the Ten Commandments and things, and maybe if I do these things, life will be good. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us all day, and you have to start to pay attention. And so I did. I began to start stepping into the season of paying attention because I needed the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what is the lie that I believed. And he will tell you exactly. I even believe that today he's going to tell some of you, man, what the lie is that you believe. But you have to pay attention. And so when, when to just to give a small example, when my wife and I were on our fifth, 15th anniversary trip, we went to Ireland. And this is just an example of how God is speaking all the time. And we were flying home, and we landed in the Detroit County Airport. And at the end of this trip, we were super jet lagged. We were really exhausted. And uh, we just wanted to get home. 
And so my wife, when she gets jet lagged and she's hungry, it is just a bad mix. And so I was like, hey, babe, let's go to P.F. Chang's. So we went to P.F. Chang's, and I'm, like, trying to sprighten her mood up and just make her a little, like, happier. And I'm telling her some stories that I thought would make her laugh, and nothing's working. So we finally get to the end, and I'm like, I just need to get her on a plane and get her home. So I was like, you know, check, please. And so in between the check coming to the table, I decided to tell her one more story, just one more story. About this time that I was leading worship, and I'm telling her the story. I was like, babe, you'll never believe it. Remember that time I was leading worship? And um, um, we, we were, I was in London and my, my percussion player was just me and acoustic guitar and a, and a percussion player. He forgot his egg shaker. You guys know the egg shakers? Like, chick, 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 chick. Those, he forgot his. So we had to run to the music store really fast before the worship set to buy another egg shaker. But they were out of shakers in the shape of eggs. They just had one in the shape of a banana, which was just a little bit awkward, but he bought it anyway. So the whole time I'm leading worship, like, I'm looking over, and, like, my homeboy is, like, just shaking this banana, just, like, worshiping. And, and I, I just thought it was a funny story, like, 17 of you guys did. And like the rest of you guys, my wife was like, ah, babe, like, I know you're trying to make me laugh, but I'm just tired. The banana story wasn't funny. I said, okay. So at this point, the waitress brings our check. And on top of every check at every Chinese restaurant you've ever been to wrapped in shrink wrap is a what? Fortune cookie. I grabbed my fortune cookie, and I opened that fortune and immediately, I stood up, and I started looking around. Heather's like, what's wrong? And I was like, oh. you'll never believe what word is on this fortune. She's like, what word? What word was on that fortune? Banana! <laughs> but freaking Nana was on the fortune. Friends, I, I turned, and I'm like, it just was one word. I've opened a thousand fortune cookies in my life. They've all had real fortunes on it. Not the one word I was just talking about in my story. I, I'm thinking, there's, I've got to be on TV. I'm looking for cameras. It's like, there has to be a producer in the back, like, typing up the fortunes and sticking them in fortune cookies and sending them out to the police. And my wife just starts dying laughing. <laughs> finally, finally. She thought the Holy Spirit was funny, but not me. And she looks at me, and she goes, that's just God going, and she said this, I'll never forget it. She said, we serve a whimsical God. If you're just looking for God and paying attention for God in the serious, you're going to miss half of him. Friends, God is speaking all the time. Here's the thing. I took that fortune home, and I put it in a frame next to my bed. And, and every morning I wake up, and I roll over, and because I, I want to be reminded Look, it's just this banana. I still, every day, I, I roll over, I'm like, whoa. And uh, here's the deal. I got half of you. The other half of you are like, that's a coincidence. Co that's a coincidence. That's okay. You can believe that for now. But the truth is, you have to stop believing in coincidences when you believe in a resurrected Jesus Christ. If you, if you, be you believe that a God sent his son to walk on the earth as an inhuman form. You believe this? And then he was murdered, died, three days, rose again, and then ascended to heaven? And you're going to call that a coincidence? You can't. You can't anymore. Holy Spirit is speaking all the time. Pay attention. We hear from God when we pay attention. And you're going to start to pay attention. He's going to start revealing to you the lies that you believe. Step two, stay with me. Almost done. We hear from God when we ask questions. Say, ask questions. We do not serve a vague God. We don't serve a vague God. We serve a very specific God. But if we serve such a specific God, why are our prayers so vague? Why are prayers so vague? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why, because I know why mine were so vague for so long. Our prayers are vague because we're scared. If we get specific, he may not answer. And we're scared even bigger than that, not, that he may not answer. We're scared that if we ask a specific question and he doesn't give us a specific answer, now we have a crisis of faith. Oh, is God really real? 
gosh, I've asked this specific question. I don't, he's not answering. Friends, we serve a specific God. Every single time you ask him a specific question, if you can get there, he will answer every single time. I'm proof positive in this. I ask Jesus every day, Holy Spirit, every day, all day. People think I'm crazy. I ask him the most, Lord, should I turn left or right? Lord, where, where should I go, you know, uh, right, right this morning? What coffee shop in Nashville? Sir? I'm asking him all these things. Walking down the airport, I'm kind of talking. Conversational intimacy with Jesus is, is supposed to be normal. See, prayer isn't a speech. Prayer is a conversation. So if there's a conversation, that means we get to hear back. Every single man in this room gets to hear from God, gets to hear specifically from God. And here's the deal. If we want to get to our spider, we have to ask him specifically, what is the agreement I've made with a lie? Specific. I, I have a, a friend of mine named Marcus who knows I love to teach Actually, my, my, my next book is all, really all about awe and wonder and hearing from God and what that looks like. And he knows I love to teach people on, on that. And so he asked me to coffee. And he said, Carlos, we were at this coffee shop in Nashville. He's like, you're always teaching people how to hear from God. I've never heard from God. I said, okay. Let's, you're going to hear from God right now. Let's practice. And he's like, like right now? I was like, yeah, right now. I could tell he was like, oh, man, I don't know. So I said, I want you to ask God right now where you and I should go to lunch. He's like, I'm going to ask God right now where we're supposed to go to lunch, and he's going to tell me? I said, yeah. So he got super nervous, started, like, twitching a little bit. Then he crossed his fingers like this, and he looked straight up in the air. And he goes, dear Jesus, and he looked back at me, like, am I doing this right? And he looked back up, and he's like, where should me and Carlos go to lunch? Then, like, five seconds later, he's like, amen. Like, maybe that was going to be the connection to God that he needed. Like, so I just, I just sat there and let him wiggle around really uncomfortably for, like, 30 seconds. He's like, he picked up his phone, looked at his phone. Like about 30 seconds later, he's like, I don't, I don't hear anything. Am I supposed to hear him? What's, it, what's he supposed to say? Marcus. Like, what's he sound like? I said, well, did you, did you sense anything? And he's like, oh, now we're talking about feelings. Like, I feel all kinds of things. I was like, well, when, when you ask God where we should go to lunch, what, did you, what was the first thing? Don't edit the Holy Spirit. Men, we have a tendency to edit the Holy Spirit all the time. Don't edit the Holy Spirit. Well, what's he speaking? What's he saying? What's he showing you? I said, what, when you said amen, what came to mind? And he didn't want to say it because he didn't want to be wrong. I know that he got something. He's like, ah. I said, just say it. He didn't want to have a crisis of faith. But he said, he goes, well, I kind of saw in my head that, that, that Thai restaurant over in Tennessee Titans Stadium parking lot. It's called Thai Phuket. I said, well, was it God? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, let's go. He felt so defeated. So defeat. So we go. We get in our cars, and I meet him over there. We have a great lunch. Jesus didn't appear in my Thai chicken curry soup. It's just normal. We'd actually forgotten that we'd asked specifically where to go to lunch. So we leave. We walk out, and Marcus walks out and gets on his motorcycle. I walk out, and I get in my minivan, just kind of different seasons of life. And so as he... You know, you men know, you minivan driving men out there. And right before I get in my minivan, this man comes tearing out of Typhoon Kit. I mean, tearing. Now, I need you to imagine the most redneck man you've ever met. And it was him. And he's like, hey, man, hey, man, you, 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 hey, man. And he's kind of shaking like this. And we're both thinking, oh, we must have forgotten our wallet or something. He comes running up to Marcus. He's like, hey, man, you, 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 you're going to think I'm crazy, man. You're going to think I'm crazy, man. And we were both like, Yes. He's like, man, man, you're never going to believe this. Man, you're going to think I'm crazy. I came up saying this to you. You're going to think I'm crazy, man. Do you sometimes work on your laptop at that coffee shop called Frothy Monkey? Marcus was like, yeah. He's like, man, you're going to think I'm crazy. But I was in there two weeks ago, and you came walking in there, and I was reading my Bible, and I felt like God told me to pray for you, but I didn't because I was too chicken. 
and I let you walk out, and I never thought I'd see you again, but then I'm just sipping on my soup in this restaurant, and you come walking in, and oh my God, the whole time I'm watching you going, oh, the Holy Spirit was like, you can't let him leave twice, chase him. So I chased you out here. Can I please pray for you? Marcus's eyes got this big. And I got in my minivan and left him in that parking lot with that strange man all by himself. Marcus called me. Marcus called me. Ten minutes later, his voice trembling. And he said, God answered my specific question. His prayer life has never been the same since. Friends, we're, we have the authority inside of us to connect with Holy Spirit all day, every day. You have this in you, every single man in here. And when you connect, he will release you and tell you what the agreement is you made with the lie. Now, here's, here's the thing. The book, Kill the Spider. In this entire book, it's, uh, let's see how many pages it is. It's 203 pages. There's only one page on how to kill the spider. Spoiler alert. Only one page. Why? Because once you find the spider, killing it is easy. Find the spider was not nearly as sexy of a book title. Once you, once you find the spider, killing it is easy. Let me tell you how Scripture tells us to kill it. Scripture tells us. When you find the lie, and the Lord will tell you, you confess the lie, you confess it with your lips. I think we have a scripture that's a, or a slide. You confess the lie, you reject the lie, and you replace the lie with God's truth. Spiders die. You confess the lie, you reject the lie, and you replace the lie. You confess the lie, you reject the lie, and you replace the lie. This is how we find freedom. This is how we get unstuck. Confess it, reject it, and replace it. Here's, but the thing is, is most people forget the replace part. We confess the lie. Lord, I confess this, this lie in the name of Jesus. I reject it in the name of Jesus. I send it to the foot of the cross so I don't have to deal with it anymore. But you have to replace it with God's truth. That's when spiders die. And yes, it is that easy. Are you sure, Carl? Like, it's that easy? That easy to find freedom? Yeah. Remember, the hard part that the enemy doesn't want you to get to is finding the lie. When you find it... When you find it, you are free. Oh, it's that easy. You can drive a stake through the heart of that lie. Now, how do I know I'm free? Because people tell me all the time, I confessed it, I rejected it, and I replaced it. How do I know? How do I know it's really dead? Listen, this spider's been haunting me my whole life. How do I know it's dead? Scripture tells us. Watch this. I love these scriptures. Romans 8, 6. Write this down. For the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the spirit is is life and what? And peace. There's not a period after life. There's more. Now, Scripture tells us peace is like a river. It doesn't say peace is like a puddle. I think so many of us are looking for peace to look like a puddle. But it's actually moving. There's going to be ups and downs and ebbs and flows. But there's, this is how we know. We're going to have life and peace. John 10.10. For a thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it. I think we have the next scripture up here. Yeah. They may have life and have it in what? Abundance. This is how we're going to know. I have come so they may have life. I don't know why, but so many Christians put a period right there. It's like we've been taught that the goal of Christianity on earth is just to get eternal life. But Scripture tells us something different. On this side of heaven, you get to have more. Life and habit in abundance. That's speaking specifically in the Greek to your spiritual life. You will have abundance. You will have more. You'll have peace. You'll have life. And here's the thing. God doesn't, Jesus didn't die on a cross so you can cope. 
Jesus didn't die on a cross so we can just cope. If you're just coping, I promise you haven't killed the spider yet. Jesus died on a cross not so you could just cope, but you can be free and have abundance and have peace and all these things. Here on this side of heaven, these things are available to us. I struggle with anxiety and depression. There was 13 years of my life that I was crippled by anxiety. I'd have such massive panic attacks I couldn't even leave my home. And finally I got a little bit better. And I remember starting to tell people, God's given me enough strength to deal with my anxiety. But I'm, I'm going to have this thing till heaven. I just know I am. And I'm speaking that over my life. And what I didn't know is that the truth is, yes, Jesus can give you enough strength to deal with your anxiety and depression. But he doesn't just want you to deal with it. He wants you to be free from it. He wants you to be completely free from your addictions, from your mental health issues. All of these things are available to us. Don't cut your faith half short. Man, you can be free. You can find peace. And you can find abundance. And I'll end with this. You know, it's, it's going to take work. It's going to take practice. It's not going to be overnight. It can be. I was camping with my family. I think this will explain this pretty well. And in the high Sierras about two years ago. And we were camping. And... Um, my kids had gone into the tent, and it was just my wife and I um, sitting by the campfire. And the stars, I mean, if you've ever been camping in the high Sierras by Yosemite, the stars, there were just millions of stars. And my wife looked at me. I was kind of beginning to put the moves on her because we had our own tent, you know. Like, it was like fire was going. I was like, yeah. I was like, babe, like, look at the stars. And she's like, they're amazing. She goes, hey, hey, can you grab the camera and take a picture of the stars? I was like, oh, mood killer, but okay. So... I go, and, I, and she, she has one of those fancy cameras. You guys know the fancy cameras with the buttons and the dials and the knobs and the zoom? Like, I just use my phone. She's got one of these fancy cameras. So I was like, babe, I don't, I don't know how to, how to use this. So when you don't know how to use a fancy camera, what mode do you put it on? Auto, auto mode, yeah. So I put it on auto mode. I aimed that puppy at the sky, and I took a picture. And this is the picture that I got. There it is. You can laugh. So I walked back over to my wife, and I was like, babe, how's this? And she's like, no. Do you know how much money that camera costs? It's like, yeah. She's like, I know that that camera can take a better picture. And I was like, babe, but I don't know, I don't know how to do that. So she's like, well, you have friends that, that, that are photographers. Call them. So I'm like, man, now, now the mood is completely over. I know I'm not getting lucky that night, so I decided to call my friend Jeremy. He's a professional photographer in Nashville. I said, like, Jeremy, I'm trying to take a picture of the stars, and I can't. And the first thing he said to me was like, is it in auto mode? I said, yeah. He said, you can't take a picture of the stars in auto mode. It has to be in manual mode. And I go, what? I don't know how to do that. He's like, I know. You're going to screw up. I promise. Like, it's not going to be easy. But if you do what I say, like Yoda himself, he said, you will capture the abundance of stars. So I said, okay. He said, first you have to take the camera, and you have to take the ISO, and take it for off of 100 and crank that ISO up to like 12,000. And I was like, ISO. I'm looking for ISO, and I find, finally find ISO. And I was like, okay, I found the ISO. He's like, then you have to take the shutter speed and slow it down from 1 30th of a second to 30 seconds so that shutter is wide open and all the light that's outside can invade the sensor. And I was like, ISO. I mean, that was shutter speed, and I'm looking at shutter speed, and I finally find the shutter speed. Now we're like 30 minutes in, and I'm still screwing up, and now the picture is completely black. And, th and then he's like, then you have to take the aperture. You have to take aperture, and you have to lower it from 7.5 to 1.2, and the aperture is going to make it even wider, the lens, so that more light can come in. And he's like, then, but it's going to be blurry if you're holding it now, so you have to put it on a tripod. And then you have to put it on a tripod. You have to get a remote off your phone and so that you don't even touch the camera because when you push the button, it'll be too blurry. And I just want a picture of the stars. Why is it so complicated? And I tried it and I failed. And I tried it and I failed again. And I tried it and I failed again. And I took another picture and it was as, as white as the back of this paper. And nothing's working. And finally, after an hour and 15 minutes of trying and failing, I took a picture. And this was the picture that I got. Friends, this is life with abundance. This is a life when you've killed the spider. John, you can come up. Let me tell you. 
How many of us are missing this? Can we put that other picture back up? This right here, we think, oh, look, there's nine stars in the sky. Look at what, look at what God has for me. Friends, this isn't what God has for you. This is not what God has for you. Can we put that other picture up one more time? This is what's available to every single person in this room when you kill the spider. Any men in this room want abundance in their life? Can I see a show of hands? I want you guys to rise to your feet. Now listen, I know, I know that you know what the cobwebs are in your life. And you've been chasing after those cobwebs. And in just a second, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to allow any man in this room that is tired of chasing those cobwebs and cleaning those cobwebs, I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit to allow you to stop chasing cobwebs and show you the root. And here's the thing. The spider is not going to be easy to look at. For a lot of us, that spider is something that happened and was born inside of us when we were small. For some of you men, there was a traumatic moment that happened to you that allowed a lie to invade your heart when you were five years old, when you were 10 years old. And I'm here to tell you that your God is bigger than that moment. I'm here to tell you that no matter what you have done to your family, no matter what you've done to your life, we serve a God right here and right now that can forgive you of every single facet of your sin. And the cobwebs go away. And when we get to that root, we can kill that spider. Let's pray.